Hey, Philo community. Welcome back to the Philo podcast. If you're new with us, we exist to help technical artists in the local church to become more effective so that our churches can become more effective. It's basically an extension of the Philo conference all the time, every third week. And for many of us, if you're listening to this in real time, the ministry season is in full swing. And in line with that, the team at Philo, we decided to try something new. We called it Philo Team Night. And when I was in the thick of leading a church production team, my to-do list was huge. And generally speaking, the top of the list was full of things that needed to be repaired or stuff that I had to get done before the next service. Almost without fail, the bottom of the list had something like team building or get the team together on it. And because the items at the top of the list wouldn't go away, and in fact, that list usually got bigger, it was very difficult to pull volunteer development up from the bottom and actually get it done. And this is what Philo Team Night was designed to solve. If we could do all the work and pull off an event so that the volunteer teams could gather and be poured into, then we could help the TDs at local churches build more effective teams, which makes each church better. We figured out the fun activity. We figured out the meal. We prepared a place for teams to have meaningful conversation about what matters in production at their local church. Yeah, it was a really great time. And so our first version of this ever, we had teams from several churches in the Chicagoland area get together, and we had an amazing time. I've heard back from some of those who attended, and for one team, it was the first time all their lighting people had been together at the same time, and they decided, man, we should start meeting more often for coffee and talk about what's working, what isn't, what I do on my weekends, what you do on yours, and at the end of it, create a more consistent lighting experience for their congregation. Yes, this is one example of how Philo Team Night was designed to help the technical artists at the local church become more effective so their churches could become more effective, basically our mission statement. And we're going to keep experimenting with this idea and hopefully make it available to more churches in more regions. If you happen to be interested in something like this at your church, for your team, shoot us an email at info at philo.org. And looking ahead to the future, hey, you know what? We're just a couple of weeks away from our Philo Anaheim event on November 5th and 6th. We're super excited to be partnering with Crosspoint Church and their TD, Kevin Ward. I've been really looking forward to being with the Philo community in California. And if you'd like to join us, we're still running our special for our podcast listeners of $99. That's about $120 off the current ticket price. If you go to philo.org and go to the events page, you can use the code podcast99. So it's all lowercase podcast99 and get this discount. One of the reasons I'm looking forward to Philo Anaheim is that we've got a bunch of breakout teachers, new teachers, old teachers, not old like as in they're old, but just teachers we've had before at other Philo events. They're coming to share their wisdom with us. We've got Chris Thomas from Cherry Hills Church in the Denver area, Aaron Roos from Saddleback Church, Debbie Keough, uh, she's at Water of Life Church. We've got Alex Fuller from Fuller Designs, among many others. And I'm really excited. The collective wisdom of our faculty will definitely help those of us doing production in the local church get better at what we do. I got a chance to sit down with Will Doggett. He's the founder of From Studio to Stage, which is a training platform and online community for building and using tracks with Ableton Live. 
We get into all the details in our conversation about what he's doing, what he's done, how that can help us. So instead of talking about it now, let's just dive into the conversation. Will, how's it going? Good. How are you, Todd? Yeah, I'm doing all right. Why don't you tell us a little bit about what you're doing now, how you got to this point, kind of what your background is and what, you know, as kind of a setup for our conversation. Yeah, that's good. Uh, um, yeah. As I often mention, my wife makes fun of me when people ask that question because they're like, they don't want your entire life story. We'll get to it, just <laughs> the specific bit. So I'll do my best. But I'm a weird person uh, in that I've held a lot of different roles uh, in churches. Okay. You know, I started playing guitar in middle school. Uh, serving the in the youth band at my church, really felt a call in ministry like in high school. Okay. And served as front guy out front, playing acoustic guitar, playing all the hits, all the Todd Phillips all the classics. Hits. Yeah. Uh, every move I make. I mean, I know he didn't do that, but all the uh, all the good stuff. Did that for a while. Went to college, uh, to Liberty University, studied worship and music ministry. Oh, nice. But I, I, I really, I felt like I was going to be the 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 guy out front with an acoustic guitar leading worship, and but knew somehow I was going to be uh, involved in the church and. Uh, while I was at Liberty, I started using the software called Ableton Live. Okay. Used it with our band there. Uh, made, I used to jokingly say this to my buddy, said, you've got to like give people confidence in your ability. So say this, then tell them you know what you're doing. But uh, I just, I made tons of mistakes there. Okay. And with not like in life, but uh, with Ableton. <laughs> and so I should it's not clarify, that kind of college. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, mom. Yeah. Just to yeah. clarify, that's not what I mean. You know, we played, man, we played like six times a week. We rehearsed, you know, but basically I played music seven days a week, essentially rehearsals, performances. Um, we played a lot, traveled during the summer some. So it gave me a lot of opportunities to fail miserably with Ableton to trigger, you know, four on the floor, kick drums during prayer times, all sorts of mistakes <laughs> you can make. So I think it was this really kind of formative experience of putting in the reps, of learning, of doing the work that really kind of quickly got me up to speed with this idea of using Ableton Live on stage for tracks. And so while I was at, Ableton, uh, at uh, Liberty, my last year, senior year, uh, a buddy of mine got asked to teach a worship uh, technology class Okay, and uh, from a professor there. And he said, hey, I'll teach the main stage portion, but my buddy Will should do the Ableton portion. So I came in and did like a 30-minute deal. And afterwards, the teacher said, hey, you're, you're really good at this teaching thing. Hmm. You should start a site and you know, sell your teaching. Which was funny to me because I wasn't necessarily great at school. I, you know, never <laughs> thought I would be a teacher. You know, I love writing term papers, which is really weird. That is odd, yeah. Uh, <laughs> and very odd. And I took a, for whatever reason, I took a like senior level, actually it was like master's level history course because the professor was really good. Okay. But did that like two years. I don't remember any of it, unfortunately. Anyway, I like... I wasn't going to be a teacher. Like that sure. was not my plan. It's going to be yeah, a worship if, leader. If you don't love school, yeah, being a teacher seems like not a great idea. That's right. Like, what yeah. a, hey, let's put the guy who doesn't love doing this in charge of the people <laughs> that he doesn't love doing. You know, like terrible idea. Right. So it, he says that and I'm like, you know, I don't, I don't know what he's thinking. And then it's like this kind of light bulb went off and I went, hey, I should try this. So I started this website called loopsandworship.com. And had that for probably four years. Okay. Uh, and that was just a place. Uh, this would have been 2008 is when I graduated. So um, launched in 2008. And the goal with that was to teach and train worship leaders how to use Ableton Live. So 
it was focused on the church. It was focused around Ableton Live. Uh-huh. I provided some like sound samples and keyboard sounds and stuff as well too. But that was kind of the heart of it. And from there, my wife and I, girlfriend at the time, and I got married and we moved back to North Carolina. I was a worship pastor at a church there for about eight months. And then they closed down our campus and kind of put us in this like, where are we going to go? What are we going to do? Uh-huh. I taught guitar lessons for a while, kind of floated around as interim worship pastor at a few different churches. But eventually I ended up making my way to Calvary Chapel, Fort Lauderdale in Fort Lauderdale, Florida, Okay, uh, where we spent uh, almost five years. We had our kids in Fort Lauderdale, our, our twins. We now have a third baby. But I uh, had uh, two of our kids there um, and spent almost five years there working at the church. And it, it, the church was kind of formative experience for me there to as I came in as a guitar player, teaching in our school of worship, Ocean's Edge School of Worship that they had, and did guitar, did Ableton, then slowly transitioned into this kind of weird creative director, service program director, we don't really know what we're calling it or what we're doing, (laughs) uh, role, uh, which is always fun and goes really well, uh, as you can tell by the fact that I now live in Austin, Texas. But did that for about a year and had an absolute blast uh, in that kind of weird role. And then the last year there was the um, head of the production track at Ocean's Edge, director of the production track. So okay. we started, uh, our focus was to train worship leaders that happen to move faders and change light cues. And, sure, and yeah. As opposed to training tech people. So that was a blast. And at some point in there, uh, became an Ableton Live certified trainer, I think 2010, uh, when I was in Fort Lauderdale, got connected with some folks at a company called Multitracks, moved to Austin, Texas, was there for about four years until I started a company called From Studio to Stage, Okay, left Multitracks. And really the, the driving force for me was to get back to what uh, that professor at Liberty that day said, which is, hey, you're really good at teaching. You should do this. Okay. And felt myself kind of moving away from that in the direction and role I was heading. Sure. And multi-tracks. So from studio stage, I get to do a lot of teaching and training to those in the church, those out of the church, uh, and do a lot of fun stuff that we can unpack at some point. Sure. But yeah, I've been doing that since August and absolutely love it. And I guess the last bit, because I'm here literally at the church, is also started around the same time uh, working at my uh, home church here in Austin as um, a production manager at one of our campuses. Okay, all right. Pro- yeah, which primarily means uh, running audio, which has been a fun challenge for me. I've mixed in the studio. I've been around it forever. I've done some gigs where I set front of house and run on stage, but right. uh, this is kind of like, this has been a good stretch and has been really, really fun for me. Sure, yeah. And I would imagine that it's a useful a connection to the whole multi-track Ableton thing and then being at front yeah. of house on the receiving end of all that to figure out, okay, how do I use this? What do I do with it? That's right. Yeah. I guess I'm not very good at being empathetic, so I have to like actually have that person's job. <laughs> you can <laughs> you only know, be so empathetic with yourself. Yeah, that's yeah. right. So <laughs> now that I'm the audio guy, I'm like, oh, I'm so sorry for all those years. No. Uh, what's, what's been great for me is I really have worked with, I know people have like horror stories with tensions of, I mean, I have some that of situations I experienced with worship leaders, tech people. But man, I've just, I've worked as a musician, I worked with incredible tech people. As a tech person, I've worked with incredible musicians. As a creative person, I've worked like, so I've just been able to serve in all these roles and worked with people that are really, really good at what they do. Uh-huh. So I feel, I feel a bit like a chameleon. Like I could kind of jump in and out of stuff and it's not because I'm talented. It's because 
I've worked with really good people and I just copy what they do. Sure. You know? Yeah. It's, and it's been really, really great. So now knowing that you've been moving around to different uh, churches and different roles and all that stuff, I'd be curious uh, just for myself, have you, do you ever miss being the front man with the acoustic guitar or have the new roles kind of filled whatever void was left behind uh, by yeah. the role that you were leaving? Yeah, I think, now I will say I don't miss being the guy out front with the acoustic guitar. I do miss being on stage with a band. Okay. You know, there's something about, I always say good bands have inside jokes. Sure. You know, and I miss that like ability to look over at the drummer and without saying anything. Right, right. Just give a look. Exactly. And, yeah. That's right. <laughs> yeah. And I think, I think that's just a healthy team. I think sure. that happens in any healthy team. But, uh, you know, kind of working together with a group of people to make that happen. I, I just miss the musical aspect of being on stage and doing that. But I think I get a bit of what I enjoyed from being out front by the teaching thing. Sure. You know, I, I think what I enjoyed about being out front was more of the teaching kind of pastoring role, sharing stories. I remember once, I don't know why I, I said this. I remember one time I talked about going to my buddy's wedding and uh, I didn't have socks or I thought I had my socks that I was going to wear with my shoes and it ended up being my wife's pantyhose. <laughs> and so I, I ended up wearing them uh -huh. and somehow I tried to say, you know, because I cared about my friend, I wore pantyhose to his wedding. And I said, God loves you enough that he would wear pantyhose <laughs> to your wedding. And somehow I tried to tie those two together. It was very early on in my worship leading days. Yeah. That's, that's also probably a correlation of why they don't let me lead worship anymore. Right, yeah. We're going to need uh, to reassign your position, yeah. Yes, we're going to need you not to mention God wearing pantyhose anymore. <laughs> so... But but I I think I enjoyed more of that interacting with the audience, uh, the excuse me congregation, sure yeah, yeah. Uh, or, or audience if you're teaching whatever it is right. But, um, but you know it's interesting. I I I know at some point I will be back playing guitar. Uh, I'll be back doing MD stuff. But again, being in the role of like you said on the the receiving end now of of six tracks and what do I do with all these tracks right right how do, how do I serve the band well with what I'm doing and and lead worship from behind the console that's just that that's been really really formative for me now and and will continue to be like this you know for as long as I can do it yeah that's cool when i was in college i was uh, mostly running sound okay and i i mean i'd been on stage a few times at my church but it was very much more traditional and mm. you know like be in the vocal group or choir yes, or whatever yep. but yep. i'm not really you know th there were no monitors on stage you know there was nothing to ask for yep. and i just remember uh when then i became an audio engineer and then it was like how oh, these people are driving me crazy up there <laughs> yeah. and when i was in college then i was asked to play guitar for some something we were doing. Mm -hmm. And then when I got up there, I was like, oh, oh, I get it. I mean, I understand now what they've been talking about. Yeah. And it, I've never forgotten that moment of enlightenment where I was like, yeah, there's like, as an audio engineer, I don't totally get what's going on up there. Yeah. And I, as a band, they don't really get it, what's happening back here. So yep. yeah, it's definitely to be able to expand your mind to like, and take a chance to do something different to understand uh, what the other side's going through. It's, yeah, it's yeah. It makes you the best tech people I know are musicians. The best musicians I know are tech people. You know, right? And and, and it just it makes you uh, 
yeah, when you when you've literally walked in the other person's shoes, because last week you were on stage and now you're behind the console, right, um, right. It, it does make you understand uh, understand that better. And I think even from a you know whether it's lighting, it's video, it's audio, if you can learn a little bit more about music, if you can learn an instrument, um, if you can at least just learn the art of kind of, uh, you know, critical listening, yeah. learn song structures, learn dynamics. It's hard for me to understand how people could serve in a creative tech role without that understanding of dynamics and of, of tension and release and all those sorts of musical concepts that right, you learn right. as a musician, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I think uh, maybe just to take uh, the example one step further, my daughter, when she was six, I think, she started wanting to paint with watercolors. So we got one mm. of those Crayola watercolor things, you know, with yeah. the 10 yep. colors. And so that was a way for us to do stuff together. Mm. Uh, and I got sucked into this whole painting thing. Oh, that's cool. And uh, so then I'm buying like, oh, watercolors come in tubes of paint and you can buy better brushes and better paper and all the, like, I just went, you know, over time went all in on this whole watercolor painting thing. And it was so interesting to me, that creative process mm. and how terrifying it would be to keep going, you know, okay, I like where the painting is now, but I need to keep working on it, but I don't want to ruin it. Yeah. And, um, and with watercolors, you kind of, once it's there, you can't do anything about it. It just like, it is what it is. That's awesome. And uh, yeah, just, I, it started helping me just appreciate the creative process that, you know, someone who's creating a, mm. a video story or a drama or, you know, whatever it was people were doing back then. You know, it's not just like you snap your fingers and something happens. It's it's a process that sometimes can be painful. Yeah. And full of fear and all kinds of stuff that as a tech person, I'd be just like, yeah, just come up with a new idea. Let's yeah. go. I mean, that one doesn't work. Make a new one. Yeah. That's, man, that's so good. That's, and yeah, because it is, it's not just the musician technical. It is that creative side of, I've met people that they, you know, they know the schematics and they know every new camera that Blackmagic releases and they know every whatever. But then there's that creative side, which is, which is so vulnerable. And it is so much about uh, the, 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 the pain and the process and, the, uh, and to be able to understand, yeah, that's huge. To be able to understand yeah. both of those is, is massive. That's important, yeah. really important. Yeah. All right. Well, not what we plan on talking about, but still, I mean, that's good this stuff. Was, this yeah. now concludes the Bob Ross segment of the <laughs> Philo podcast. Thank you. Happy Thank you. trees. Yes. All right. Moving on. There we go. Okay. So you're doing from studio to stage now yep. is the name of your group and you're teaching about Ableton and I'm guessing a few other things. But so the, the idea of Ableton, I'm guessing most people listening to this, if you're an audio person, you're very familiar with it. You Maybe you hate it. Maybe you love it. I don't know. But uh, I guess the uh, question would be, so most of our churches are using it. I mean, is there a right way of using it, using Ableton or a wrong way? Like, are you, is there some way, uh, well, maybe just to answer that question, is there, is there a right and wrong way of using tracks in a service? Yeah, I think the right way is the way that serves you and your congregation best. I know that's a very political answer. I'll unpack it. <laughs> well but, done, uh, yeah. Yes, uh, thank you. You can vote for me in the upcoming election. <laughs> I'll include my link in the show notes. Um, <laughs> and I mean that in a way of like, I, I've realized some people are just literally content with like, it's working, don't touch it, don't sure. change anything, I'm great. And, and I realize in other spaces is where they want to explore and push. You know, I, I also have to understand that. You know, I'm content with taking my car to get the oil change. I don't care how the best way, 
But when yeah. it comes to this tech stuff, I'm like, no, you idiot. There's a better way. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, so I think, yeah, I think whatever way best serves you and your congregation is the best way. But I will say, um, you know, a big heart for me behind starting from studio to stage and teaching the way I teach is I found most Ableton Live training, most training about tracks, or really, let's back up, most Ableton Live training is focused on music production. It's focused on electronic music. It's it's geared towards uh, DJs. It's geared towards okay. producers. So there's a small segment that's focused on live performance. Now, within the live performance, we still have a majority of that that's focused on electronic music DJs. Uh, and then the small portion that's people using it with bands for playback, for those sorts of things. So what ended up happening is a lot of the concepts used for DJ for electronic music, people tried to kind of, including myself, uh, tried to take those and apply them to these ideas of tracks. Okay. And then a lot of times what that ends up meaning is they try to take something that's very nonlinear and fit a linear thing to that, right? So okay. we step on stage to do a worship song. Yes, we might repeat something. You might be a church that has more spontaneity, but it's a linear structure most of the time, right? Right, right. You know, I know there are churches and I've been in bands and served in services where you step on stage, have no idea what you're doing, no idea where you're going. I enjoy yeah. those sometimes. <laughs> as long as I'm I playing, do not. not as the yeah. tech guy. Yeah, yeah right. When I'm I in tech, we're all like, these idiots. <laughs> you, you must have a different Holy Spirit because he told me to wrap this thing up. Uh, I don't know what your Holy Spirit's <laughs> telling you to do. But what I've kind of learned and seen is people trying to take concepts that um, maybe don't necessarily uh, fit or work. So what they end up with, and this is where a lot of churches uh, and probably, again, a lot of audio people, a lot of tech people listening to this probably have experienced this, a rigidity, right? And a, this is in the track. So we're going to send you five drum tracks and uh, it's Christmas. So we have 19 drummers on stage for Little Drummer Boy. <laughs> yeah. Actually, if, if we could get anything out of this podcast, it's that Churches, uh, having someone on stage playing a tom for Little Drummer Boy is no longer considered creative, if we can all disagree <laughs> on that. Uh, I love every Christmas. Every church has does Little Drummer Boy and has some yeah. kid play a tom. We did it, so, you know. Sure, yeah. Uh, but um, <laughs> anyway, like there's this rigidity to it of we can't repeat or we get in rehearsal and we stop and we have to restart. There's this like spending tons and tons of time prepping things, right? Right, right. And getting ready. And so I tried to uh, I, I tried to kind of craft from studio stage and craft my teaching and what I'm trying to tell people to basically say it doesn't have to take hours. Like I'd love for you to spend Saturday with your family and not behind a computer screen. Right, right. And you can have flexibility and freedom. And you could be the most rigid church in the world, but flexibility and freedom still matters when you need to stop and start back at the bridge, right? Right, right. And, and so I think... Yes, whatever serves your congregation is best, but I think it's good to constantly be looking at a better way. Uh, and I've found for a lot of churches, there is a better, a little more efficient way to do that. And one of the key things that's become a mission statement or a guide for the subscribers that we have on the site is uh, this kind of phrase I came up with, which is humble confidence, but then humble curiosity. So it's this idea of being confident that you're doing it the right way, but you're always wondering, there's got to be a better way to do this. There's right, got to right. be a way that uh, I could spend less time doing this. And so I try to embody that in the teaching and say, like, 
you know, after years of doing this, this is the best way. But I also love when almost once every year or once every couple of years, a student will say something that will kind of just throw me off. And I'm like, no, you idiot. And then I think, oh yeah, oh, that's wait, genius, yeah. you know? Yeah. Uh, and so, um, yeah, I think there to go away from my political answer. I think there is a good, better, best <laughs> kind of way to do it. Yeah. But again, ultimately, if this isn't your thing and video production is more your thing and you just want to press play, like I get that too. I completely sure. understand that. Yeah. In the church world, it feels like a lot of times we're doing something because some other church is doing it. Yes. And yep. so, you know, you, you go to the Passion Conference, which we were just talking about, and you see these bands doing all these amazing things. Like, well, I have to do that at my church. Yeah. And it feels like tracks might be one of those things using Ableton. Yep. Uh, you know, we have to do it because other people are and we want to keep up. Yeah. Which maybe goes back to the idea of, you know, what, whatever works best for your church. And, you know, yeah. maybe tracks aren't for everyone. That's good. And, yeah. I, you know, whenever I teach at any worship conference, I just got an email from someone today that said, hey, we want to come have you teach. Uh, you know, I'll teach a class on tracks and I'll spend 20 minutes convincing people not to run tracks uh, <laughs> because it, it, it comes down to that for me. It's it, you need to serve your congregation best. And that might be playing, you know, worship music that's that's more hip hop. It might be more electronic. It might be acoustic. It might be very produced. It might be very raw. Like, so I think if people's, yeah, I, I am so passionate about, again, going back to the creativity thing, I'm so passionate about people legitimately seeking and asking God kind of where do you want to take our church, including the tech side, including right, right. the, the uh, you know, the way our services are structured. You know, I think it's not just, uh, I think you can be incredibly creative without having a, uh, you know, a bumper as your pastor walks on stage and a, uh, you know, an announcement. I don't video. think so. Yeah. But sorry. I, I'm going to have to disagree with you. We'll end the call here. <laughs> you, you have to, you have to have a bumper video. You, you have to, and the band has to play behind the pastor during announcements. Like, um, uh, but, but it is, it's kind of this, uh, there's been these norms kind of, uh, like I, I found a lot of value. We we're talking before my kids just turned, my twins just turned six. Uh, when, they got to be, I don't know, three or four, maybe it was four or five. Uh, they became the most annoying kids in the world because of one question. And yeah, it was why? Why? Yeah. Why? why? Yeah. And, you know, my <laughs> son, my son is a deep thinker. Like I'm terrified. He, he's, he's either going to like solve the world's problems or he's going to cause or my create wife them. I, yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I'm praying that he solves them, but he just, he like, I would answer and then he'd go, well, why and why? And it just, I've tried to apply that, you know, um, to so much that I do. And it's like, well, why do I do this? Why do I do that? Right, even, right. even with mixing, if I walk it back to mixing, uh, you know, I think audio people were the, the worst when it comes to overdoing things and adding 16 plugins and then bypassing and going, yeah, I think it sounds better bypassed, you know? Yeah. <laughs> uh, it, it's like, why did I spend an hour tweaking the drums when they sound perfectly fine as they right, are? Right, right. Uh, but I just, I, I try to constantly just ask myself why, you know, why are we doing this this way? Why are we doing that that way? Um, and being okay to change and being open to sure d doing things differently this month than I did them this month last year. What's wrong right. with that? You know? Sure. Yeah, nothing. Yeah. Okay. So Ableton, let's talk about that for a minute. Uh, so now that you're on the receiving end of all these tracks coming at you, now that you're yep. sitting in front of house, yep. uh, we were talking earlier just about how some of my experience, the you know the band's just sending you everything, yeah, uh, and they're playing everything. Yep. And you know when it comes to Ableton, yeah, if I'm the audio engineer, I don't have a whole lot of say in what 
what that is coming down the, you know, the pipe. Do you have any suggestions for an audio engineer on how to kind of maneuver through that choosing or conversations or yeah, yeah. what's the, I, I think, I think there's a couple aspects. I think one is that relational aspect. You know, I'm, I'm prepping for a webinar now that I'm going to give at the end of the month on creating a great in-ear mix. And one of the, one of the tips I have is build a relationship with your mix engineer. And I'm, I'm talking both from, I, I guess, primarily from the musician standpoint for this. Sure. But, yeah. 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 You know, I think a big piece of it is. And I saw this great Facebook conversation that, that Lee Fields had with someone where they said, my guitar player, his amp's awful. How do I improve his tone? And he said, what's his name? How many kids does he have? What's yep, his, you yep. know? And it's like, that's it. Like, it, it's, it's, you, have to, you have to build a relationship with people. You have to have that sense of trust there. And I love, I mean, the church I'm at now, the team I'm a part of is just so healthy. There's so much trust. Uh, you know, the first day of me starting my, the job here, my worship leader texted me driving in. He said, I want you to know I trust you. He said, I want to be clear to you. You don't have to earn my trust. You don't have to do anything to like hit a level for me to go ding, ding, ding. I trust him. Uh -huh. like, I trust you 100% right now, day one, stepping into that. And that's huge because I hear so many people say, well, you know, trust, uh, trust has, you have to earn it before I give it. And it's like, sure. What are you, a Nazi? Like, this is terrible. Yeah, yeah. Like, this, it's not the way to do it. Sure. So for me, I'm really thankful to be in a place where, my worship leader trusts me. I trust him. The band trusts me to, to say, hey, can we bring the tambourine down? Because the tambourine always needs to come down because it's always yeah, the loudest yeah. thing ever. <laughs> um, you know, uh, so I think, I, I think there's that relationship aspect of you have to uh, get to a point where the band trusts you, you trust them to where you can say, hey, could we take some of the drums out of that? Could we take the, 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 some of the keys out of that? I think with that, there has to be an understanding of what are you going for? Do you right. want a really big produced sound or do you want a more stripped down sound? I think going back to the idea of is there a good uh, uh, wrong way to do this, I've seen a lot of churches go buy a multi-track file that has 40 files. And like you said, literally press play and the band plays on top of that. Right. And that's wrong because to me, it's about playing. <laughs> uh, it's about playing with it, not to it. Sure. Uh, and so it's this idea of, you know, take some of the stuff out if you're competing with it. Now, if it complements it, and there's a low tom hit, and you want this big 808 hit right there, yes, it's kind of doing the same part, but it's meant to create one big picture, one big sure. sound. You know. So I think if you understand the heart, the 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 you know back to painting. If you understand what they're trying to paint, what picture are they trying to paint, um, and and you can serve each other in that way, I yeah. think that's going to really help. I think from the very practical side, you know, we live in a world now where we have these very high count audio consoles. It's really easy to say separate the drums, the pads, the 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 synth stuff, the bass stuff. Now you could go overboard, and I know people that are running. <laughs> Like twenty tracks, uh, you know, of tracks, uh, channels of tracks, or, or even more. And yeah. at that point, it's like, all right, you're mixing tracks and like a lead vocal at that point. Right, right. But I think, yeah, I think establishing that relationship with the band is just huge, and and realizing it's there to serve you, you know. Yeah. And and it's all about playing with it, not to it. And I would imagine too, just hearing you talk about that, that it's probably you're probably better served also to call your worship leader on Tuesday hmm. and say, Hey, let's, uh, can we talk about this weekend? Can we, can you, let's sit down and listen to these. Let's figure out what, do, you know, who, who do we have on stage? Yeah. What can we eliminate from the track? Like 
have that conversation when the pressure's not on. That's right. Instead of you're in rehearsal getting bombarded by too much information. Yeah. Uh, usually that's not the best time to kind of uh, try to solve the problem. Yeah. I think uh, I've been kind of holding on to this, uh, this thought for a little bit, just mulling over my head. But I think it's like if worship leaders can learn, like let's say an encouragement for the worship leader, encouragement for the tech person. I think if every worship leader can make communication a priority in the new year and every tech person can make flexibility a priority in the new year, I think we're going to land somewhere in the middle right. that's going to make everyone way more happier. <laughs> you know, Life's going to be hunky-dory. Cause, but I do think a lot of it is that communication beforehand. And yep. it, is, uh, it, it is trying to have those conversations not in the middle of sound check and line check. And you're just bombarded and you're stressed out and trying to make sense of the cacophony of sound that's coming right. at you. Yeah, yeah. Uh, for sure. I want to say there was a worship leader that I used to work with that he was very protective of whatever he and the band were going to do mm. for some reason. And he wanted to, it to be organic. Yeah. And so he didn't want to say he had a plan, mm. but he did. I mean, the band knew what they were doing, yeah. but none of the rest of us knew until we saw it one time. Yeah. And so I just said, you know, I'm not asking you to lock yourself into a certain way. I just want to know what your band knows. Yeah. I just, let's just start on the same page. And then if we need to change, let's change. But it would be so nice to at least have the same starting point. Yeah. I, I like the way, um, you know, I imagine this is intentional because the church I'm at tends to be a very intentional church, but, uh, like the production, there's not a, uh, there's not worship and production. There's worship, uh-huh. yeah. and production people are a part of the worship team. Yeah, um, you know, and so uh, I think that's a very intentional decision because communication about the worship set includes me. You know, sure, because ultimately I'm the guy back there that's going to decide what everyone's going to hear. So it's kind of like you know, to, to to your point, it's like you know, the guy can want it to be as organic as he wants, but ultimately whoever's moving faders and if you don't turn <laughs> yeah. the lights on and hit him in the <clears throat> face with the light, like. It, it 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 doesn't matter. So there's got to be that uh, that just again, it's trust. It's got to be that relationship, that trust. That it's like we're all in the same theme. We're all working towards the same goal. Here. Right, right. Um, let's make this happen. You know. Yeah, I'm sold. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> there you go. Let's start that church. Yeah, right. So the band's got Ableton up on stage. They're using tracks. Let's even say they're they're killing it. They're using them exactly how the church. You know how it benefits the church makes yeah. makes everything better. It feels to me like there's uh, there's a creative component to using Ableton, and then there's the tech side of it. You know, mm-hmm. like actually making it work. Yeah. So maybe this is too highly technical for my brain, but maybe it would be worth uh, just talking about. Like, is there a best way to integrate Ableton into your system? Like, is it using eight channels, using Dante, like what, or even maybe a piece of gear that uh, that you've seen work better than others? Yeah, I think that's a great question. I've kind of been for a few years going around telling people there's five things you need to use tracks. Uh, One is content. You know, as a guy who worked at multitracks.com, I I give them the two thumbs up, seal of approval. Get your content. You can make your content, 
right? Uh, if you're doing a lot of original songs, I'm going to a church in Denver uh, this week that writes tons of original content, and we're going to talk about that and how to integrate tracks with that. But we got to have our content. We have to have a way to play it back, you know, which is obviously Ableton on a on a laptop or on a Mac Mini. I love the new Mac Minis. We need an audio interface. And what is interesting, I love that you brought up Dante. I just had a conversation today with our lead audio engineer here. You know, I do think uh, it's not like it's the future because it's already here, but obviously <laughs> yeah. networked audio, uh, you know, let's, if we can uh, play this podcast about 10 years ago, I'll sound smart, but uh, <laughs> obviously Dante, AES50, AVB, Maddie, all that stuff, right? That's yeah. where everyone's going. On one hand, I think it's kind of funny because people reach out to me and say, hey, I, I need this audio interface that's Maddie or that's Dante or whatever. And, and I'd say, well, you know, you could use this, this one. And they say, well, it's not blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, well, you know, what does it matter? Like, well, my audio guy said, we got to have Dante. And I'm like, well, is the vocal mic Dante? Like, is the drum set Dante? Like, no, it's just, so on one hand, it's kind of funny to me. On the other hand, it's amazing to plug in an ethernet cable and be able to send 64 channels of audio. Like, I get that, right? That's amazing. So I think we're going to continue to see you know, companies just do this crazy modular stuff where you plug in an Ethernet cable and everything happens, right? Right. Uh, I mean, we're seeing it now. It's going to continue to grow. Uh, I think if anyone listening to this is like, what the heck are they talking about? I think that's a place to pause and to go, what is Dante? What's Maddie? What's AVB? What's this protocol stuff? Right. And, and just learn that because that's 100% where things are and where they're going to continue to head. Right, right. I, I think what you're going to see a lot of in this space, and this is the number one question I hear from people now is, uh, what's a redundant Dante system, what's a redundant Maddie system? Right. Uh, and Dante, the, there's one guy out there listening that's like, but Dante inherently is 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 redundant because there's A and B. I mean, one computer goes down, you automatically switch to your other computer for tracks. So I, um, pure analog copper side, I like this box called the Play Audio 12 for my connectivity. It's 500 bucks. It gives you redundancy but it is not Dante. It's not network, uh, and, you know, audio enabled. Um, but it's the cheapest way to do redundancy. There's sure. some other boxes that are in the $1,500 range that do redundant Dante, redundant um, uh, Maddie stuff, uh, which is great. So you got to get the audio out. I think as far as channel count, it, again, it's all relationship. It's all got to be, you know, an audio engineer I worked at in Florida, if I sent him more than a mono line, he would kill me uh, <laughs> of tracks because he's like, I don't want to do it. Mono tracks. That's right. We, were, we had a mono system. He's like, if you send me more than one channel, I, I will murder you. Uh, he never said that. Mike is a great guy. Uh, but I think he probably thought it. Yeah. Uh, but then I've worked with other people that are my buddy Kent. He's like, give me as much as you can give me, right? Yeah, I want a right. separation. Yeah, I think it kind of depends on your setup. Sure. Uh, it depends on what you're doing. So we got the audio side. Now to talk about how to integrate it into your setup, I think the next piece, so we said content, we said playback, we talked about audio output, a MIDI controller. Okay. I think this is where things can really kind of unlock for people and become very flexible, which is, yes, you have a laptop, but let's buy a MIDI foot controller if our hands are busy, right? Sure, right. Let's buy a drum pad if we're a drummer. Let's buy uh, a controller that allows us to move our computer either completely off stage or out of the way so it doesn't look like we're checking our email on stage. Um, <laughs> and, and, Facebook, you know, I, yeah. That, yeah, that's right. <laughs> I, I love when I see worship leaders post you know, Sunday selfies or whatever, and it looks like they're commandeering the space shuttle with all the iPads and right, laptops right. in front of them <laughs> yeah. and controllers. 
but move that out of the way and integrate tracks. Again, you're playing with it, not to it. So find a MIDI controller that works for you, for your setup, depending on what you play. That's going to make it feel more musical, which I okay. think is important. So with the with the foot controller or some kind of controller, you could say start, stop, yep. bridge, chorus. Yeah, and, and one thing, so one thing I do from um, a, you know, we're getting a bit into like Ableton specifics, but this is a really good one for me. A lot of people, when they first get the MIDI controller, they say, I need a way to say verse, chorus, bridge of every song. So when I press this, I know I'm going to the verse. I know I'm going to the bridge. No, I'm going to the chorus. Yeah. Every time someone goes down that path, they always come back to me. And I warn them, but then they always come back to me and they realize, <laughs> okay, well, on this one Matt Redmond song, there's 14 verses. So when I press verse, what verse am I going to in this song? Sure. When yeah. I press chorus, is it big? Is it low chorus? So what I always suggest is on a MIDI controller, yeah, play stop. Again, going back to is there a right way, I suggest a button that says repeat. And I could teach people how to set up tracks where they, they're in a section and they go, I want to repeat this section. And they press one button and do it, right? Sure, right. Um, a way to jump around in the arrangement, those sorts of things. But yeah, it's all about giving you that flexibility. Because imagine uh, if a worship leader is listening to this, imagine they're holding their mic singing without the congregation even knowing they could step and press a button and repeat a section, right? Sure, right. Um, and you're you're letting no one in on the secret that there's things <laughs> yeah. going on in those those. Uh, you're not just listening to the football game on Sunday with those in your <laughs> monitors that you have, checking Facebook, listening to football. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think I've given away all our secrets uh, on this podcast. But again, sorry, mom. Yeah, <laughs> but you know, I think I think adding the MIDI controller in is really big, and it gives you that control so that you don't have to be over on your laptop. Right. And I, I'm, again, a really big proponent of setting up things. I'm not a very smart guy, so I need things to be simple. Uh -huh. I need them to be something goes wrong. I can immediately look and go, that's what it is, or this is not working, or this right. is working. And so I try to set things up in a way that Ableton serves me really well. Uh, yeah. And again, using a MIDI controller is one of those. And then the last piece uh, for me in all this is just the monitoring side. Uh, a good set of in-ears, uh, preferably custom in-ears if you can, and either a really good monitor engineer. Right. Our church is interesting in that me as the front of house guy, I'm also doing monitors for everyone. So it can sure. be a little hectic at times. But um, you know, either working with your front of house or monitor engineer to get a good mix for you, or you know, a little Avium, uh, a live mix mixer, um, uh, you know, lots of great solutions to kind of make that happen. But then creating an in-ear mix that's going to really help you have a great performance perform really, really well. But again, I think all that, the goal of all that is to integrate it into your setup. You're not, I always like to say, tell the robots what to do. Don't let the robots tell you what to do. <laughs> so, you know, it's all about getting Ableton set up in a way that's, that, and we're going back to where we started, getting Ableton set up in a way that serves your congregation and you as a worship leader or as the tech person really, really well. Right, right. And I think, yeah. sorry, go ahead. Yeah, I was going to say, uh, I was just thinking about an event I was just doing where the all the tracks were, you know, they went into an interface and then came out eight channels uh -huh. of all, that was it, just eight analog channels. Okay, and uh, you know, on some level, it just it it needed to be simple, mm. and I think it's so easy to, yeah, we we have Dante, we can use Dante, and now suddenly we've got you know sixty four <laughs> channels. Yeah, that's probably a little much. Yeah, uh, if you're just if you're just starting out using tracks to maybe just say. You know, I've, I'm only going to use eight, eight tracks or something simple yeah. so that we're just not overwhelmed and we can kind of ease into 
doing 64 tracks eventually. That's good. And it's, yeah, it goes back to like, why, you know, why, why am I, why do I need 64 channels? Why do I need eight channels? And there are legitimate reasons why, but you know, for you and your gym by yourself with a congregation of, you know, 20 people, yeah. just make it easy on yourself, you know, use the headphone out. Um, and, and, uh, and everything's going to be good. I think, I think too, as we were just talking, it made me think of, you know, if you are, as a tech person listening to this, you're, you are maybe in two places. When you think of your worship leader, you think of tracks and you're either in the, yes, I love that we use tracks or you're like, I hate that we use tracks <laughs> uh, or, or, or you might be in the place where you're like, I'm going to send this to them to prove to them we need to start using tracks. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and again, I think it's, it's, it's everyone getting on the same page and just realizing like, again, this is a tool. This is a, this is a, a another color, um, you know, in, in our set of watercolors that we can paint with and it may serve you well, it may not serve you well. But I think from the, whoever is in charge side of it is eventually getting to a place where you could just get behind their vision and go, it's really tough when there's something you really want to do that yeah. leadership doesn't. And you still need to submit and you still need to serve uh, wholeheartedly and support them and what they're doing um, with that. But I think, you know, maybe this podcast is a conversation starter for a worship leader and a, a, a tech lead to say, hey, maybe this is something we should consider. I know we tried it years ago and it crashed and burned. Maybe we should consider. Or, hey, I know right. we're doing 64 channels and we've time coded everything. Maybe we could pump the brakes a little uh, and try something a little simpler. So uh, I think both of those scenarios are completely possible with that conversation and with just the thought of, let's talk through it. Why are we doing this? Sure, right, right. Yeah, so good. Yeah. Well, hey, Will, thanks for making time for us. Yeah, thanks for having me again. I really enjoyed talking with Will. Tracks seem to be the thing these days in local church, and I love that Will talks about how tracks aren't for everyone. You know, every church shouldn't necessarily do it just because the church down the street is. Will has such great thoughts around using tracks and the idea of coming up with values around how we use tracks as part of the music conversation. And if you know anything about me, I love the idea of talking about values. What are we about? What matters? because that informs how we go about doing what we're doing. So yeah, why not have values around tracks? I also love this quote, if every worship leader can make communication a priority in the new year and every tech person can make flexibility a priority, then we'll land somewhere in the middle. Oh man, I love it so much, so much. There's a, there's a piece of this for everybody in that sentence. Yeah, so thank you, Will, so much for being a part of our podcast. To dive into a little more detail about what Will does and how it might help those of you listening. From studio to stage, it's an online community that helps people learn to build tracks and to perform like the pros do uh, with Ableton Live. When you subscribe, you get access to over 25 courses, early access to weekly tutorials and exclusive training content, monthly call just for subscribers, and also a private Facebook group. You don't have to try and figure this out on your own. Yeah, save yourself time and money and learn from an Ableton Live certified trainer and the supportive community at From Studio to Stage. If you're planning for Christmas and want to automate your lyrics to ProPresenter, sync videos, lights to your tracks, 
There's no better place to learn than from studio to stage. And if you're wanting to learn how to use tracks and maintain spontaneity without spending hours, yeah, check out the training on using Ableton Live for tracks. And the best part, yeah, Will's created a special promo just for the Philo podcast listeners. You could save 20% on a monthly or annual subscription if you use the code Philo in caps, Philo20. Head to this episode's show notes, click on the link there, and use the code Philo20 to save 20% on your subscription. And don't forget, Philo Anaheim's coming up. Still time to sign up. Use the podcast 99 code for a giant discount. We would love to have you there. It's coming up November 5th and 6th. And if you like our podcast, subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. And we would love to get your review on iTunes or any of those platforms. It really helps spread the word. So yeah, do that for us. Uh, you can find us on social media at Philo Community on Facebook and Instagram and at Philo Conference on Twitter. We love your feedback. Send us future ideas. We'd love it. Email us at philopodcast at philo.org. All right, that's it for now. Talk to you soon. Bye.